It's great to be able to continue our series looking at the Beatitudes. Uh, We pick up on the fourth one this morning. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Really want to encourage you if you've not been, um, but to, to come reading through the Beatitudes um, as we work through them, uh, reflecting on them. They, as we said at the start, very much kind of link and build, not as some kind of ladder that we've got to try and climb, um, but rather as God uh, guides us and that opportunity for us to actually live as his disciples in the world today. Apparently, I, you know, I've heard this, that idea that it's really good for Preachers to link sermons if there's things that have gone before that can kind of follow it up and that sort of thing, particularly if you're in a series. Uh, last week, if you were here, you'll know that Emma began her sermon asking the question um, of whether you have a particular cartoon series um, that you remember watching when you were younger. Um, I, without any shame whatsoever, proudly shared the fact that uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were my kind of favourite TV show. Um, I have to be honest, I said this at 8.45, didn't feel a great lot of love last week for the Turtles um, at either of our gatherings. I'm just just putting that out there. Maybe you think quite understandably, Ed. Um, But it reminded me of a time back in 1990 um, when they released the live-action film version of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um... I'd obviously, I think, been to the cinema maybe two or three times by that point. Um, And I wanted to see this film so, so much. I cannot communicate that enough to you this morning. Uh, You know, I'd watched the cartoon series on TV. I'd collected the trading cards and had a complete set. Uh, I had the action figures. I'd built the Blue Peter-inspired layer that went with it. I had the rather dodgy-looking clothing um, that had their images and logos on them. And I wanted to see this film... um, more than anything at that point. You may have guessed I was a a slight fan of the Turtles um, as a child. And there came this occasion where there was an auction of promises at the primary school where my sisters and I went to. Uh, We were living down in Cornwall at the time. And a friend of mine, Kevin Stapleton, his mum put forward the option to buy two tickets to go and see the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle film. I don't remember it in its entirety that moment, but I imagine there was a pretty heavy bidding war. Um, I can still remember the room we met in and everything where that took place. Um, and my dad, he, he fought off the competition. Uh, maybe he just didn't want to go and see the film himself. Um, and got one of the tickets so I could go and see the film. Um, so Kevin, um, our friend Adam, who'd also got one of the tickets, and I, and we went with Kevin's mum, um, and I can still remember it to this day. I can remember the trip. Uh, we went to Plymouth, um, which was a bit of an adventure and out in, in those days for us anyway. Um, uh, and I remember we came back on the way back. We got a burger, and I remember the guy just covered my burger in tomato sauce, more can, there was more sauce than burger, and that's the But it was just one of those moments where it was just an amazing experience, and it was something that I'd been longing to do and had been thinking about time and time again as soon as I heard it came out. And I don't know whether you can think of similar situations where you've longed for something, where you've, you know, really yearned for it, where it's been your focus, your drive. Um, Everything else has just kind of paled into insignificance. It's somewhere you want to go, someone you want to see, something you want to do. There's a a particular achievement that you've had in life um, that just drives you forward. Perhaps it maybe wasn't 
going to see the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie. Um, I'll give you that. But I imagine there are things we can all relate to. Those things at different moments in life that have spurred us on, that we've, we've chased after. Referring to the fourth beatitude, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones says this. He says, to hunger and thirst for righteousness is nothing but the longing to be positively holy. The longing to be positively holy. Now, I don't know about you, but when I first read that in preparing today, my initial thought was, okay, I'm out, really. Um, I don't think I've got anything to offer here. Um, because let's just quit while we're behind. Because the bar has suddenly been raised pretty high uh, if we take that statement, if we take uh, Lloyd-Jones's uh, ideal. You know, we sing songs about the holiness of God. Holy, holy, holy. Holy uh, is your name. Holy is the Lord. But my thought process went, they're about God, who is holy. This idea is, you know, hunger and thirsting after, you know, after, after righteousness, after being holy. That's something, am I ever going to reach that? Am I ever going to make it? Part of the, the challenge of the Beatitudes, these announcements, is that they're designed to make an impact in our lives. They're designed to challenge us to inspire us and empower us to, to live a different way as we grapple with it and we wrestle through it. And uh, as Stu Garrard kind of said, the quote I shared when we began this series, asking that question, what does it look like for these announcements to come alive? So we don't just read the words on the text, on the page, and go, great, that's it. No, we actually go, what does it mean for these to actually become a reality in terms of who I am as I live my life? Now, we might think again but how is that that possible how can we actually take such a a verse like this and really see it outworked in our lives being holy if you will and we do think that the, the bar has just been raised too high and actually we can't achieve it now the reality is we can't achieve it um, in our own right, in our own capabilities. Uh, and that's one of the things that we need to realize because actually it's not by anything that I do or you do uh, that we will reach that goal. Rather, it's recognizing that it's because of that fact that makes it even more amazing that God chose by his grace to meet us and to respond to our need. Thus, as you read that through, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. We'll come back to that thought um, in a moment or two. I also want to just emphasize at the start, when we take that quote uh, of Martin Lloyd-Jones, to hunger and thirst for righteousness is nothing but the longing. It's that longing to be positively holy. As Paul writes in Philippians 3, 12 to 14, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is set within the desire, the the yearning, the pursuit, the longing to be holy, recognizing that we haven't attained it yet, we haven't reached it, but it needs to be the path laid out before us. So I guess one of the questions we probably need to ask at this point is, well, 
do we hunger and thirst for righteousness? Is it actually something that drives us, that, that we think of? Is it something we go, well, that's a nice verse, but we'll park on that one. Thank you very much. Um, I'll go for one of the other ones. Maybe it's a little bit easier. Maybe before we even get there, we actually need to ask the question, what does it mean to hunger and thirst for righteousness? Before we can ask the question whether we're actually there or not. Picking up the interpretation of the second beatitude, John Stott, um, his study guide is the one we've been using within life groups. Uh, the life groups have been grappling with and exploring in more detail the beatitudes. Um, he says this, he says, it is not enough to mourn over past sin. We must also hunger for future righteousness. Now, righteousness, as we see in the Bible, is a theme that comes through time and time again. Uh, Stott suggests there are three kind of areas you could explore righteousness, legally, morally, and socially. When he's talking about a legal righteousness, he's talking about that right relationship with God. Justification is the word that's sometimes used, but it's that that relationship with God um, and that opportunity that we have to know him, to follow him, to live for him, and ensuring that that conduit, if you will, uh, that connection is in the best place it can be. When he talks about a moral righteousness, he's talking about our character, our conduct before God. So actually the way that we're living, the things that we're doing, um, are we living uh, in that right righteousness? And then thirdly, when he's talking about social righteousness, he references ideas such as seeking others' liberation, justice, um, as we might see it in, in various realms of life, integrity in our business, for example, is one thing he talks about. Um, or maybe it's, it's honour in terms of our relationships where our, our fans, our family uh, affairs are concerned. But he kind of sums it up with this and he says, Christians are committed to hunger for righteousness in the whole human community as something pleasing to a righteous God. What he's saying is, it's not something that we can compartmentalize and go, well, this will work for me on a Sunday, for example. You know, when I come and I stand at the front and I do my bit here, I can, I can put that hat on then, but the rest of the week I don't have to think about it. Um, or, or only when I'm with my, my family. Those I like, or people I like. Uh, you know, those are the people, that's when I need to put that hat on. Or only when I think about my relationship with God. Actually, it doesn't really matter about the rest of the people. Actually, it's just about me and God. No. He's saying every single part of our being needs to have that focus. Because this call of Jesus is, is not one to go and live as hermits and kind of think, well, actually, what he's saying is just go and isolate yourself off from the world, seclude yourself. Um, don't kind of engage with anyone who's going to try and pull you off course, that sort of thing. No, he's saying, you know, paraphrase, roll your sleeves up. Recognize that this is about you actually getting involved. This is about you actively following. And following wherever we find ourselves. Whatever our front line might look like. Wherever God has placed us, whether we're really excited about that or not, as the case may be, uh, as Ken Benjamin reminded us uh, a few weeks ago. Actually going, okay, this is where you've placed me. How can I be an outworking of good for you, God? If we look around the world... Um, we look at our community, we look at our nation, we look at the, the wider world, we read the headlines, we read beneath the headlines, which should actually be our key thing we do when we look at them, don't just see what's on uh, the front page, but actually see what is really going on. If ever there was need for righteousness, for God to move. And not 
kind of in a way that is conceited or, or proud, you know, so as kind of Christians, as the church, we can go, yeah, we've got it together. Um, we're, we're showing you how it's done, the rest of the world. Um, no, recognizing that every single one of us is a work in progress. None of us have got it all sorted. But seeking to take this beatitude, you go, actually, yeah, how can I long to be holy? To seek after God in all things. Righteousness as a, as a concept is something that we see throughout Matthew's gospel. It's something that comes up in a number of different ways. And the, not just, again, in a, an idealistic dreamer's kind of way, you know, be a do-gooder. But no, actually seeking the coming kingdom of God, now and not yet. And if you go through uh, Matthew's gospel, he uses the verb to hunger nine times. Eight of them, it's talking about physical hunger. This time, though, um, it's talking about something much more. He's not talking um, about bread and water here uh, that's going to meet our physical uh, bodily needs. Leo Morris put it this way. He said, everyone now and then does what's right. But Jesus is pointing his hearers not to occasional acts, but rather a passionate concern for the right. Again, reminding us that it's not a case of I can just do kind of a bit here and there, or I can get my ticket through for the week. You know, I do one good act, great, I'm done for the next seven days. Um, and it doesn't really matter. No, it needs to be a continual whole life response. And so in terms of that question, do I hunger and thirst for righteousness? Two reflections that maybe will help us work that through for ourselves personally. Firstly, it's got a lot to do with the disposition of the seeker where we find ourselves as the one who is asking that question. Do I hunger and thirst for righteousness? A story uh, I think I've told before, uh, but I think illustrates the point really well. Uh, my dad, um, it's now kind of a mythical tale within our family, I think, more than anything. Uh, when he was younger, was being driven to school by my grandpa, um, and it was chucking it down with rain, driving along, and they see one of my dad's school friends on the road walking uh, in the direction. And so my grandpa pulls over, opens the car door and says, would you like a lift? Um, my dad's friend says, I don't mind. My grandpa says, no, neither do I. Pulls the door shut and drives off. Um, do we hunger? Do we thirst? Or is my response actually one, oh, I don't really mind. I take it, I leave it. Again, maybe on a Sunday, um, or when it suits me. Or is it actually something that I'm craving after, to draw closer to God? Because if that's not the case, if that's not where I find myself, then I need to ask God by his Holy Spirit to set that fire afresh within me. I need to come before him and say, will you move within my life and do something by your power? I think the other thing to reflect on in terms of do I hunger and thirst is remembering that only can it be fulfilled to us. It's not something we can do in our own right. French philosopher Pascal said that there is a God-shaped vacuum inside every human heart. And I believe only God can fill that vacuum. But yet it's so easy for us to look elsewhere to fill that. Or to not actually take on board the things that are filling that. 
Emma and I had a, a conversation yesterday um, relating to a TV program that we've been following, we've been watching. And that, that question really had come to us of kind of, is this actually a good thing to be watching? Is it actually beneficial? I mean, it's hilarious, this program. Um, but you kind of go, actually, other things that we're spending our time, uh, you know, hearing and seeing, are they actually going to be any good for us? It's very easy for us to kind of go, well, actually, that's just not really that important. But everything that comes in is going to fill us. And if it's not what God has for us, if it's not the good stuff, then as one phrase might say, it's, it's kind of like the junk food of the world. And there's a real danger that I think we, we put a lot of stuff in the grey area in the middle and we think, well, that doesn't really matter. But it all will have an impact. It all will send us in a certain direction. Is my head so full of everything that the world uh, is putting before me that I'm allowing in that there's no room for God to really take hold of me, to really challenge me, to really set me on fire for him? Now, maybe if, if that's true for us this morning, if we find ourselves going, actually, maybe I, maybe I am allowing a little too much of the world in. Or maybe I'm not actually putting any kind of filter up at all. And I'm really not that bothered. I don't think about it. I just go, yeah, with whatever. And I believe it's about us asking God, again, by his Holy Spirit, to cleanse us and to help us refocus our our vision, our, our, our eyes on him. Now, with both of those points, if they're things that we need to respond to, I don't believe God would want us to sit here this morning and heap a load of guilt on ourselves. Um oh, you aren't actually really on fire for me. You're rubbish. That's not what God would say. Oh, you've been filling your mind with all that stuff. Oh, how could you? No, I don't believe that's what God would say. I believe God would want us to stop, take stock, and seek to walk in the direction he would want us to, recognizing that he has so much more for us. See, with the Beatitude, Jesus isn't offering some fortune cookie mentality here he isn't saying you know kind of this one might be a bit of fun or might help you out might do you a bit of benefit no he's imparting these truths that if we allow them i believe can completely shape our lives transform us so that we can be the people uh, that can make a real impact for him jesus is talking here about doing the right thing regardless of the situation and the circumstances saying, how can I live for you longing to be holy in everything? Friday night um, at 4 and 2, they had the Great Battle Bake Off. Um, From the photos, it looked great fun. Um, Paul Hollywood was here um, judging uh, and the other hosts and that sort of thing. Um, And I don't know if you ever watch those sort of programs or any kind of cooking programs. They just make me feel really hungry. Um, and I just want a snack, um, even if I've just had a meal. Um, we've just been watching the, was it, Best Home Cook. Um, and again, you sit there, and, you know, I might be completely full physically, but I'm like, I just need something to, to snack on, because that looks amazing uh, on, that they're making there, um, and I really want some of it. Appetites aren't filled without us taking action. And if we actually want to move forward with God, it's about us saying, okay, how can I respond to the things that God is saying, to the challenge that his word presents to us? 
Luther, in response to the question, you know, what is required here? He said, a hunger and thirst for righteousness that can never be curbed or stopped or sated. One that looks for nothing and cares for nothing except the accomplishment and maintenance of the right, despising everything that hinders this end. I know I've been asking the question, am I hungry and thirsty for righteousness? I've been asking that question, what is it that I'm filling my appetite with? And I've been asking that question, do I long for the words of Jesus on that hillside to come alive in my life? Let me pray. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will come now. I pray that you will move amongst us. Thank you for the truth of your word. And I pray that as you have been speaking to us, I believe this morning, I pray that the things that have come from you will be the things that we will seek to respond to this morning, Lord. I pray that you will give us the boldness and that courage, um, as we were reminded of earlier. to really take hold of the opportunity before us. That we won't settle for where we find ourselves. But we belong to be people on fire for you, Lord, so that we can see your kingdom come in this community, Lord. Not just in lands afar when we hear uh, of revival and uh, your church alive, but that we will see it uh, in this building in this place, in our land and in our lifetime, Lord.